one of the rules we kind of have is don't write to an ending, so, which I actually think is a great rule because if you get excited about an ending and then you start writing from the beginning and organically you're feeling you should go left, but the ending you're writing to is go right, you you kind of, you miss that opportunity to be like, ah, I don't know, the most, this feels correct to go left. This is the Act One Podcast. I'm your host, James Duke. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, we would appreciate it if you subscribed and left us a good review. Our guest today is screenwriter Jeremy Howe. Jeremy is a writer-producer on the CBS comedy Young Sheldon. Before that, he was a writer-producer on The Big Bang Theory. I spoke with Jeremy last summer. He was actually the first person I interviewed for the podcast. And since he was the first, there were unfortunately a lot of technical issues. But we were able to repair most of the recording. Jeremy and I have been friends for years, and he's got one of the biggest hearts in this business. So I'm excited for you to hear from him today. Jeremy Howe, thanks for joining me. Hello. Thank you. Uh, it's a little crazy right now. Um, I, thanks for joining me in the midst of this craziness. Of course. You are currently on hiatus. Is that, is that, or, or are you, you're about to go on hiatus? Yeah, no, this is a, a scheduled hiatus um, that is lining up. And so, but uh, yeah, so we were um, scheduled to go on hiatus. We were done with the writing kind of in the beginning of March. And we we're shooting the finale, um, but we got shut down like everything else did um, a few days into it. Um, and so technically my hiatus started earlier, like a week earlier. Um, so yeah, so I am on hiatus. The, the plan is to go back June, like early June is when we typically go back. And, but nobody, nobody knows if that will be, um, uh, the case <laughs> everything's up in the air so um i think everyone especially in the entertainment industry is just kind of holding their breath seeing what will um, what will happen uh so a typical uh, hiatus for a network show like that you're on it, it is it it's two months you kind of describe two months you, you get april and may mostly i mean it's different you know i think back in the day when most shows were network tv and on a typical schedule and people did 22 episodes it would the writers would kind of work from june until february or march depending on the production schedule of the show um and and it was and some shows went later some shows ended earlier but um <clears throat> when i was on the big bang theory <clears throat> excuse me um we would shoot 24 episodes and um get you're getting emotional about I this know. get so emotional <laughs> 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 um, yeah, blissful days, um, the Big Bang Theory, but um, we would do 24 episodes and we would, a typical multi-camera episode, uh, uh, TV show does a production schedule, you shoot three episodes in a row, which is three weeks, um, you know, one episode per week, and then production takes a week off so the writers can keep writing and catch up. Um, so that's a typical schedule, but um, on the Big Bang Theory, uh, and the, we, we got this because of Chuck Lorre's busy schedule. Um, 
that we got two weeks in a row, one week off, two weeks in a row, one week off, which was, gave us more weeks to write, but it made our season longer. Um, so we were, by the time we did the last season of the Big Bang Theory, we ended the, I think the last day of April um, last year. Um, and then okay. we were back, um, those of us who started up on Young Sheldon started up beginning of June. So we got one month. Um, okay. And then, so this year scheduled, it was gonna be two months, which is, you know, um, more than we've had for a while. But that is, I'd say two months is about the, the typical hiatus for, for shows. Okay. But now, you know, now with all the streaming, people are doing eight episodes, 10 episodes, 13 episodes. So it's, um, now everything's kind of different, but for that right. typical old school network, 22, 24 episode, that's about normal. How many episodes into, <clears throat> into it before they start filming? How far ahead do they let you get? Are you three or four episodes written before they start filming the first one? I mean, we have, if we can get five, that's great. I think, and I think we, um, this season three of Young Sheldon, I think we had five scripts and kind of had an idea for six. And that, that is like a really good um, cushion to be, to, to be that far ahead. Um, you know, if you have three, you're wishing you, you had more before you started to shoot. But if you can get yeah. four or five, you're, doing, you're in good shape. What's the what's the what's the uh, what's the craziest um, schedule you guys ever had? Were you have you ever been in that situation where you're writing pages the night before they're filming it or, or on the day they're filming it? Has it been that has it been that crazy? It was. I think you know um, season two of Young Sheldon. I think it got a little crazy at the end, but I was doing there are a few of us who were doing both shows uh both big bang theory and young sheldon at that time so i wasn't at young sheldon full-time for that to be a part of it um but i know we have so the production of a multi-camera like the big bang theory is the production week starts with the table read um so you're not shooting the next day but we have frequently written finished the script on a tuesday and um, the table read is Wednesday. And then and sometimes the, it will air like two Thursdays later. So we'll finish wow. it up Tuesday and then nine days later, or like, I forget the time, but I know if we sh shoot on, cause we shot Tuesday nights um, and then it would air yeah, it would air like a two Thursdays after that or something. So so the actors the actors would get about a what five days to to learn their lines. Yeah, so they would get it the the Tuesday night, which if we if it was a tape night, they after they after filming an episode in front of an audience, they would then get the script and go home and read it, and then do the table read the next day, uh, which was Wednesday, and then um, we would rewrite after the table read. Then Thursday was a producer's run through. Um, and then we would see it and then do another rewrite. And then, and by the time later in the, the, the run of the show, um, we skipped Fridays, but typically Fridays and the studio network uh, run through. Um, mm -hmm. And then we do another rewrite. And then Monday is pre-shooting um, episodes that didn't quite work in front of, uh, they're either too complicated or it was, if it was a car scene with a, with a blue screen behind it. Um, we did those on Mondays without an audience, and then on Tuesday we would do it in front of an audience, and then play back and show them the um, the, the the scenes we shot on Monday. 
Um, oh, so they would see the full episode in order, um, and, but it was interspersed with live and then pre-taped. But most of it's live in front of them. So the actors, um, that's probably a skill set that a lot of actors don't realize that they want to do, if they want to do a lot of television, they have to, they have to really be able to get their lines down quickly. Yeah, you have to learn it fast. And, th and this is the, the crazy thing. And, you know, our cast on The Big Bang Theory was phenomenal at this is, if a joke didn't work in front of the audience, we would on the fly come up with another one and give it to them. And sometimes it wasn't just like, oh, this new joke. It would be like half this page is now new. And they would kind of walk around for a few minutes and work it out. And then they would do it in front, like a few minutes later. Um, and I mean, you know, it's incredible. If you memorize these giant paragraph and then we're like, ah, take the middle sentence out. And then here's another, thing at the end and then like I don't I honestly don't know how they did it that's just a complete wow. skill set that is foreign to me but they were they're very good at it that you can see you know you can see that you know just as an audience member you can see that with with shows like Big Bang Theory or or Friends or some of those when you know after the show's been on for a while you can see the rhythm that some of those actors get into where you know you know that you could just hand them any kind of material because they know those characters so well at that point yeah, that they're able to just, you know, deliver those lines and those moments. And um, <clears throat> that's what's the challenge for you then as a writer to be on a long running show like The Big Bang Theory? Because I, I guess, you know, you know, you're on Young Sheldon right now and it's what you just finished season three. Season, season two? three. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so that's different because you're still developing characters. You're still finding kind of nice moments for them and stuff. But Big Bang Theory was on for how long? 12 seasons. 12. So, you know, by the time you get to seasons 9, 10, you know, like, it's kind of like that old episode of um, South Park. Simpsons did it. Simpsons yeah. did it. So, yeah. like, that's a unique challenge that you would have as a writer, being on a show that lasted that long. How did you guys keep it fresh? How did, how did you guys, what did you do to find those new moments uh, for the characters? Um, I mean, well, that is the, like the biggest challenge was just new stories, uh, new story areas, things we hadn't done. Because when we ended up doing, I think the number is 279 episodes. Wow. Um, and so we, it's a, how do we not repeat something we've already done? Um, <clears throat> and, you know, and even at the end, we would, someone would pitch a joke and it would be really funny and then one or two of us would kind of be like, that that sounds familiar, I think. And then we'd have to Google it and we'd be like, yeah, we did it in season six. Like, wow. So you would, so you would, you'd like, you would keep track, like, and, and you would just keep track just by Googling it or would the... Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we, we were all, so I was, I was there since season four and a lot of the staff was there before me. Um, and, you know, we've all seen every episode at least once, um, even, you know, if we weren't there for those seasons. Um, but yeah, there were just something you would, you know, something would click in your mind. It just sound, I don't know, you're kind of like, oh, shoot, I think we did that. And then we would look it up. And, you know, we, <clears throat> fortunately, our show was popular and other shows. <laughs> yes, fortunately. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have to have like a series bible 
of our show necessarily to be like, what did this character say? Because um, honestly, Wikipedia did it for us. <laughs> um, we all the all the fans online. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if there's like someone would kind of type out the script, like not you know not in script format, but it was kind of like a just a normal document. But it would be like what a character said. So if you Google. <laughs> Big Bang Theory, whatever the joke was, you could kind of, you could find it and, you know, you could find it pretty easily. So, um, but anyway, so that, that definitely was, was the biggest challenge of just keeping it fresh. And, you know, we, we lucked out, um, or, you know, almost halfway through with adding um, the Amy and the Bernadette characters. Because, yeah. um, you know, it started with the four guys and Penny um, and then adding those women, which, which you know, we, the way that we work is we take it one episode at a time. Um, so we don't really arc out a whole season. We, we take it one episode at a time. Um, so when we cast Melissa Rausch, and I say we, that was even before I was there, but when the show cast them, um, you know, it was really just for that. But once we got Melissa and Mayim, it was clear like, oh, these are very, <laughs> we, there's something here. Um, and so, be, you know, because they, they clicked so well, um, that, that really fed into a lot of new stories of, you know, the Wall yeah. character um, and yeah. Bernadette, um, and then eventually marriage. And then, you know, later on when, okay, we added children and so we you know that that is um kind of the typical i think sitcom formula but like we we did because you, you, you do when you're in season 10 and 11 and 12 you you are um you need to keep it you, know, you need to add new things so yeah that, yeah you know there's that there's that old they talk about that old tv trope right of of adding the adding the little kid all of a sudden shows up, you know the, right. the Leonardo DiCaprio and growing pains, yeah. whatever. Yeah. The like, the uh, Poochie uh, and the Simpsons. Yeah, that's right, Poochie. Yeah. <laughs> Talk a little bit about for people who are listening and, and would love to know the process. I mean, you work for a legendary showrunner and Chuck Lorre. Mm -hmm. um, what's the process like? I mean, you and I have talked about this. You know, when you have taught at Act One, you've talked about you know, Chuck does things differently, but uh, you know, what's that, what's it like working for him? How does he run his shows? What, what's it like to be um, a writer for a Chuck Lorre show? What's the relationship between the writer and the writer's room and, and him as the showrunner? Um, I mean, so he is busy. He has a lot of shows. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, I think, you know, I, so the, the, the one thing that he does differently and is, um, and I, I don't know when this started, but he, um, we write everything together in the room. Um, and that is different than any show that I'd worked on before as a writer's assistant or PA. Um, and you typically, cause typically you would break the show together and then writers would go off and write them individually, right? Yeah. Yeah, so if an individual writer would go or a writing team would go write an episode after you kind of come up with an outline. Um, and even the writer, I think, would go maybe do the outline depending on what show you're on. But um, and, and then the script would come back and then together as a group, 
you go through it, um, you know, with the showrunner and as the, the writing staff and you kind of flesh it out and, you know, make changes depending and, the, you know, the showrunner is in charge and you're, you're kind of <clears throat> helping the showrunner write an episode of TV. They're like, no matter what, like, even if you go off to write it, the showrunner will kind of, um, you know, change it to what he, what he wants and, you know, so that, that is a, the normal process of writing um, for TV. Um, but we write everything in the room. So we will pitch stories to the showrunner, uh, if it's Chuck, if it's Steve, depending, you know, when and where. Um, and once the, 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 the story is approved or was kind of like, yeah, that's a good area, then we have to talk it out. And so we will come up with, you know, an outline, which is just on a whiteboard. Um, let's go back, let's go, let's go back yeah. to the, the pitch. How long of a, you say, so you have to pitch it to him. How long, is that, a, is that one meeting? Is that literally one meeting or is that over the course of you a know, day or two or? Yeah, it's like, I mean, honestly, kind of a day, half a day. Um, so we'll, everyone comes in with story ideas and then we pitch them. And, and are you pitching the A story just like a sink or are yeah. you guys, yeah, okay. Yeah, kind of main, mainly just an A story. And then um, once, we kind of latch on to one then you're left with okay who's in the a story uh and then which means who's not in the a story so then it's like okay we need something for the characters who aren't in the a story and that becomes the b story um every once in a while the a story involves everyone and you can kind of get enough pages with without a b story um it's harder because you you don't have anything to cut away to um but we uh yeah so it's honestly again like i think everything is step by step of yeah. even when we pitch an episode um it we don't really pitch the the end of it because it's you know we enjoy the process of writing it to get like we will talk talk it out um and kind of get there together um uh, as a group so can you think of a uh can you think of like something you pitched you know like you know something from one of the episodes i don't know if it, it, i don't know if it, maybe it wasn't even the a story but right but uh is there can you think of like a, a memorable pitch maybe that you had or something well i mean this isn't it's not a big one but i know so in and this is another way we pitch stories it's stuff from our own life is uh, so my wife knows my birthday most of the time. Uh, <laughs> she, she gets it, some, she knows it's either the 21st or the 20th. And now we've been married almost, or been married 15 years. So she knows it's, um, she knows it, but now, but she frequently <laughs> would get it wrong. Um, and so we, I, you know, I had mentioned that in the writer's room and it was always like, wouldn't it be funny if Penny didn't know Leonard's birthday? <laughs> um, and so we, I think it was, I don't know if it was a Valentine's episode, I kind of forget, but I know we needed just a small story um, for Leonard and Penny. Um, and so we, that kind of got mentioned again. And so we ended up doing it and, uh, and you know, and again, even then it's like, okay, great. They, she doesn't know his, um, his birthday, what's the, then what, you know, like that's, right, that's right, right. you know, so we had to kind of come up with the complications for it after the fact. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so that is, that's just a small one, but. Um, 
I think I remember, actually think I remember that. Yeah, um, I knew because someone else, and the way we got into it, because one of another one of our writers, um, it was like, well, how do we get it out that she doesn't know? And it was, she's unlocking his iPad. And she's like, what's the password? And he says, it's my birthday. <laughs> like, yeah. no, I tried it. And he's like, what are you talking about? And that, it was a great, that was a great way to, to do it. Yeah. That was not yeah. my point, but it was a great way to reveal it. I'm not going to admit to that happening to me, but, uh, but it's mostly with my kids' birthdays. <laughs> Like I sometimes have to be reminded what day exactly. Right. Uh, anyway, so let's go back to you were talking about the schedule. So you you know so it would take you know so you pitch. So I was asking you about um, what's it like to work you know with Chuck Lorre. So you would you you pitch the pitch it to him. Yeah. Um. You said that takes about a half a day maybe, and then and then what? What's the then how does um, it work? Yeah, and then. Then we just start writing beats on the board of, um, you know, how, where the scene is, who's in the scene, and basically kind of a couple sentences or one sentence even of what that scene is about. Um, And then we just kind of go through it. Um, Sometimes we go all the way to the end. Other times we get about halfway and they're like, you know what, let's start writing and we'll figure it out. Um, But, you know, and then you can, we can get away with that because we're writing everything in a room together. Now, now how often would the showrunner, how often would Chuck be in the room when you were doing that? You know, when I, so this was season four, when I became, when I was the writer's assistant, I joined the show halfway through um, season four. Um, and he would be, and he was at this point floating between two and a half men in this. So you did, we didn't have him all the time. So sometimes he was there for it. Sometimes he wasn't um, because he had another show. And then eventually Mike and Molly started so we you know so he was floating around to three shows and um so it just kind of was hit or miss and then eventually this um was with um our other showrunner Steve Malaro um who took over in season six um and so we uh we would be so yeah so so he so and Steve was in the room all the time because that that yeah he wasn't floating around he was that was um his show uh so we would um we're just kind of walk it through with him and kind of when when you know and i think it's with with any show it's just it, it we do it all in the room at once um all together the whole time um but you're you're basically the showrunner is either like yes or no and if it's no then you keep pitching until it's like yeah great let's that that's a good next beat um or next scene uh and then once we have the outline it's honestly the same process but now you're in the script it's fade in and if you look at the whiteboard you're like okay great we're in leonard and sheldon's apartment and we know it's going to happen but okay uh what how does the scene start and we we always typically start with what we call a downbeat which is a free this is typically when they talk about either science or comic books or, you know, something unrelated to the story, um, which is, uh, it could be anything. So we're like, okay, great. Where, where are they sitting? Are they on the couch? Are they on the island? And what could be, what's a funny way to start, if it's the first scene, what's the funny way to start the episode? Um, are they coming in the apartment? You know, so that's when all the logistics of it, and, and that's what we do line by line. Um, wow, and the, and, the, and and so those and the writer's assistant is 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 literally typing a script for you. Yeah, yeah. So wow. and and you know and I, that's a job I had, and so you have to know when 
when things are just kind of getting pitched out and talked and when you have to start typing it in the script and you know and otherwise you're you're taking all the notes as a writer's assistant of the things that you know potential and possible ideas and stuff so yeah so um, from the time you pitch the story to the time that you finished writing writing that first draft was about three to four days I, well I, from pitching it i'd say about five 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 or six okay. days yeah okay. and then some 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 took longer uh some were a little trickier to figure out and some we just you know we'd type fade in on in, in the morning and by the end of the day we had 18 pages or something you know that like we could go really really fast and multicam you you the formatting is different on the script so it's actually like 40 40 pages is a typical number of uh um pages in a in an episode where single cam is 30 but we you know in multicam we could write 18 sometimes yeah. in right can you talk a little bit because now you're you know now you're on young sheldon you had an interesting transition there you were you mentioned it earlier how you got onto that show because you at one point you were you were writing for both shows yeah so the young young sheldon started you know three years ago um and i i was interested in it because it's single camera um, which I am more drawn to, um, and uh, I had I I I knew I was kind of a good fit for that show because uh, it's the the mom goes to church. Um, I grew up going to church. I was Sheldon and Missy's age um, in that time period in you know 1989. I think is when it started. Um, I was the same age, and I now have kids that age. Um, and I, I, there were just a lot of dynamics that I, was, I, I thought I would be a good fit for. Um, but I, I, you know, so it started and um, I was, uh, um, I didn't go to work on it. I, I, there was talk of me going over there um, at the beginning and it didn't, it didn't happen. Um, and I was actually ended up being very pleased with that. Um, but then, halfway through the first season um they needed some more writers and there was myself and two other big bang theory writers kind of started to go over and um help them write some episodes uh and it was um an interesting process because we didn't quite know um day to day where we, we would be uh what show we'd be on we just kind of get a text to be like oh come to the young sheldon stage to you know kind of help write an episode of, wow you would literally just get a text in the morning yeah and so and 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 sometimes halfway through the day and so we like that's not we, typically how yeah i mean i i, I mean it, there's it's definitely happened before you know uh, but i i don't know to what extent or or what the process was for those and i think it, people did it like some two and a half men uh writers did kind of two did both big bang and two and a half in the early years of that um so they definitely definitely happened before before uh, young sheldon um does it kind of work that way because your showrunner steve and chuck like they there's a little bit of a chemistry they know they know kind of you guys kind of pattern and so it's like it's a it's like hey we can bring these guys over we know we can bang this stuff out and get it done because we have that kind of relationship with them is it was that something like that yeah, there's, I mean, there's definitely, you know, kind of a shorthand and you know how the, how, how they work and, and they know how we work. So I think, I think that definitely played a big part in it. 
yeah, so so that was the half second half of the first season of Young Sheldon. There was a few of us doing it, and I I I think I helped write one or like two or three. Um, so most of the time, I was on the Big Bang Theory, um, and then season two was um, that was a little bit more. Uh, the time was split, not equally, but it was, uh, I was definitely at Young Sheldon a lot more than I was the first season. Um, and, you know, it was, it was a, it was great. I, I actually really enjoyed the single camera of it. I like the way, just the style, you know, you're kind of making a little movie every, every week. Um, and I, cause I moved out to write movies. That's why I moved out. And so it was, uh, it just kind of fits my sensibility a little bit more, um, that style. And so, um, yeah, so that was season two and it was, you know, it was, it was tiring mentally. Um, cause there were some days where we would, I would start on one show and then get called over to the other one and then go back to the other show and then get called back. So like, I'd kind of, some days that didn't happen a lot, but when it did, it was a little mental whiplash to kind of, wow. You know, um, wrap your head around that and factoring in that we were ending um the big bang theory um that year right. so it was that was you know emotional and and kind of on its own but then adding it on top of the other one it was um it was a lot so did uh chuck and steve have had the idea for the finale for a big bang theory for a while did it come up organically that final year yeah, it, it kind of, and, and I, I should point out, when Young Sheldon started, um, Steve Malara went over to Young Sheldon uh, primarily, and so um, Steve Holland uh, became the showrunner the last two years got it. of the Bang Theory. So, got it, got uh, it. It was, you know, it was, we, we it, was, it was organic. We kind of knew where, vaguely where we were headed, what we wanted to happen. Um, but even, even then you still have to figure out like, okay, what are the logistics of that? Like, what is this thing? And we have, um, a science consultant cause we knew we, you know, the idea was that Sheldon would end up winning the Nobel uh, prize. Cause we, we had talked him up as the smart, smartest guy what? on the show. And so we kind of felt like we needed it would be nice to pay that off. You said that you knew. When, when did you? When did you guys kind of know that? For that, a while, um, I can't remember when. I mean, it was in in the, and actually, I don't know. There, the, the, the conversations happened. You know that I wasn't a part of. So I think I think it was always, um, an idea. And, and honestly, I maybe season ten. I, I'm kind of making it up when okay. when the conversations were happening. Um, but you know, but we, but it was for but it was for a while that you kind of the guys kind yeah, of uh, and, and, but also you know we um, one of the, the the things that we don't that that one of the rules we kind of have is don't write to an ending, um, so which I actually think is a great rule because if you get excited about an ending and then you start writing from the beginning and organically you're feeling you should go left but the ending you're writing to is go right you you kind of you miss that opportunity to be like ah i don't know the most this feels right the you know, correct rather to go left um and uh so we even though we kind of had that in mind we had to you know be open to let you know we can't just steer the ship that way if it doesn't feel right but you know or 
through the, the, the process of the writing of the season, it, it just it felt like, no, this is the right thing to do. You've mentioned uh, several times that you have really enjoyed writing for single camera. Yeah. Um, what's the, what are the unique differences between the two for multi, multi versus single camera that you've noticed? Um, I mean, it, there's many, actually, I, it, to me. Um, the main, I mean, not the main one, but there's, so for instance, on the multicam, you have an audience um, and that audience laughs, hopefully, <laughs> when, you, when, when a joke is said. Yeah, um, hopefully. Yeah, and so, but that means that if you, on the page, if you have three jokes right in a row and the rhythm is joke one, joke two, joke three, um, but joke one happens and then there's a laugh, then joke two happens, uh, not really a laugh because you kind of needed that, that rhythm of like one, two, but the, the laughter gets in the way of that. Um, so you are a little, that limits what you can do on the page because um, you have to anticipate how the audience will react. Um, and there is uh, cinematic things that we, um, can't do on the Big Bang Theory or on, on a multicam, which is, you know, like a, like music. Music doesn't really come into to play very much. Um, and, you know, there, there are kind of the hybrid shows like a How I Met Your Mother who can kind of do that a little more because they, they don't have an audience. Um, but even then they still do interject the laughs, you know, kind of in between them. Um, you can't get away with like a subtle joke on uh in front of an audience of 250 people uh because you need them to laugh and a very subtle thing and then i that's my i like subtle jokes i like things that slide under the uh, radar that uh, well, you know not everyone's gonna laugh at but if you catch it it's great um like bottle rocket is one of my favorite movies and i think that's a movie where some people could watch that and not even laugh once but like if you're watching it closely you will laugh a lot and it's great um uh, but you know, it's not going to make an audience of 250 people laugh. Um, and you can even a reaction like we end a lot of scenes of uh, on Young Sheldon where someone just can react with a funny expression, and you can't. That's not going to make 250 people laugh. So, <laughs> right. so there's just it's uh, you know it's just the, the more cinematic things you can do on uh, on the single camera, which I enjoy a lot. Uh, such a clever idea to take that story of Sheldon. I don't, you know, you couldn't do that for every character, but that character is the right character to follow, um, to go back and see him as a, as a, as a little boy. It's a, it's a very clever show. Yeah. No, they, Steve and Chuck, um, and you know, John Favreau directed the pilot. Um, so wow. he was, he was, um, he was a, a key uh, component of that too. Uh, but they, you know, I think they, um, they really did a great job. Uh, and, it was, and was it Jim Parsons' idea originally, Jeremy? And he went to Chuck on it or yeah, other way around? I think from what I know, he, you know, he was like, hey, does this sound interesting? And Chuck was like, that does sound interesting. And so, and it, you know, because um, uh, Chuck is Chuck, uh, you know, it happened very quickly and very um, organically and easily. Um, and... Uh, they, you know, and they did a great job casting it. And I mean, the cast is amazing. And um, I, 
just yeah they 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 really found a good tone i think so what do you do when you're because obviously you're super busy all the time um you know working nine to ten months with just that the hiatus of a couple months we talked about earlier are you are you yourself are you still writing specs on the side are you still um what are you what are you writing or, or what kind of writing do you do that that um that isn't for your shows um you know it's i um i used to write a lot on my own um so i especially you know before i got promoted to writer on big bang i was um you know that's what if you want to write you have to write scripts and try to you know pass them around and so i was working on that and none of the nothing i wrote ever did anything no spec <laughs> um I, no one bought anything. You know, I got a manager um, off of one um, and some did okay in like uh, some screenplay competitions, um, but no, 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 they were small and, and I didn't win anything. Um, but, uh, you know, I submitted into all like the Warner Brothers workshops and all those kind of things and never got in. Um, so, but I, you know, kept writing. Um, go ahead, go ahead. I know you're wanting to say it. So yeah. tell, tell well, them who else you uh, submitted to and didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, so I also applied to Act One um, years and years ago. <laughs> I, I did not get in. So uh, I, I wasn't charged back then. Okay, I wasn't. You know, and you know, I it I, I it was right not to accept me. I I believe in my resume or in my application rather. I. Um, I probably, I think I wrote, um, that the greatest screenplay ever written actually would be like the as broadcast of Robert Altman's Nashville, um, which is mostly ad-libbed. I mean, obviously like Joan Tewksbury wrote a script and, and it's, that is the movie, but like Robert Altman also lets people just ad-lib and, <laughs> and characters, whatever. Exactly. Um, and you know, cause I, which is the most pompous thing to say. <laughs> you know, it's terrible. Like, um, so they they weren't wrong in not accepting me, but um, uh, but I did apply to Act One. I did not get in. Um, <laughs> but then you know when I when I got promoted, I was like, I'm a writer on this. You know, the number one comedy on TV. Like, I need to write a big comedy um, feature. Like, people will. Uh, you know, it'll be very easy for me to sell a screenplay because I'm a writer on this show um, with this credit. Uh, that turns out not to be true. Uh, not even close. <laughs> um, and so basically I wrote, um, I wrote a, com a feature comedy on my own and I, you know, with the job and, you know, I have a wife and two kids and they were little at this time. Um, I, I would write drop the kids off at school at eight and then I would write from you know eight thirty to ten on my own thing and then go go to work. Um and then when the kids were down for the night, then I'd write more, you know, not every night, but that, that's when I would do my writing kind of before work and then after the kids were asleep. And I I worked hard on it and I was very proud of the script and nothing happened with it absolutely nothing happened with it and so i was like okay i'm gonna do it again and so i started on another script and i was fried 
Um, I couldn't come up with anything. I hit a wall and, um, you know, and I really, I really felt at peace. And I felt like, honestly, you know, this is a Christian podcast, so I'll say it. I felt like God was saying, you're good. You don't need to, uh, you don't need to do this. Like you have a job, focus on your family, enjoy it. Um, and, you know, and it kind of was around the same time. Uh, so um, Tony Hale, I, we go to the same church. And in conversations with him, he had said, um, and he actually wrote a kid's book about it, the Archibald's uh, Next Big Thing, yeah, yeah. Um, about not enjoying the, what you, what you're, where you are presently. Um, and he was, you know, I think he was looking back on when he was on Arrested Development, uh, how he was just thinking like, ah, like this is great, but what's next? Like, how can I capitalize off this? Um, and then, and actually my brother sent me an excerpt from BJ Novak, the office writer and actor, um, his memoir, I think. And he, and this is, you know, my brother didn't, I don't know why he sent it to me, but it was, I'm glad he did. Um, and it was basically saying, looking back on his years on the office, he wished he had just enjoyed it instead of trying to capitalize, you know, the same, same kind of a thing. Um, and so I really felt like, um, that is what I should be doing <laughs> is enjoying this show, enjoying my family, my kids at this time. Um, and so I didn't put pressure on myself to write on my own. Um, and then I was like, I'll take a few months off. And that lasted several years <laughs> uh, of not writing um, really on my own, but now I'm kind of dipping my toe back into it. So, um, cause I've, you know, and I'm incredibly fortunate to, to have this job, the job that lasted you know, all the years in the Big Bang Theory that led into Young Sheldon. Um, I understand I'm very, very fortunate to be in that position, but, um, and, I, and I've dabbled, like I've always kicking around ideas and stuff, but um, that is, uh, yeah, so that's where I am on writing my, my own things. The process of, uh, of writing for you, mm -hmm. was it always, was it always a, you know, an enjoyable experience that just like you, you, you just had to write, you just had to sit down and, and, and get stuff out of you? Or was it always really hard work and you had to really discipline yourself to sit down? And, and I'm just curious, like now that you've been doing it as a professional for a while now, um, how, how, if at all, it's changed for you? That's a, it's a great question. And I, I have a lot of answers. So let me think of, see if I can rattle them off. Um, I think... Uh, so I, I, I just heard, um, so Fuller Studio, uh, I don't know if they, they actually have some great stuff, not to plug something completely different, but, uh, <laughs> you know, they're all friends. It's okay. <laughs> spiritual film related things. Um, the people at Fuller Studio are doing really cool things. They have interviews with Paul Schrader and Scott Derrickson. And those are two that I just recently watched. Um, and Scott Derrickson, so the Dr. Strange director and, you know, co-writer, um, he explained it really well where he, one of, one of his writing partners, he's like, he is a natural born writer where he wakes up and he writes for hours and hours and hours and he does it every day and he loves it. Um, and Scott was talking about himself saying, he's like, I'm not like I put it off and it's a grind. Um, and I think that is more me. I'm not necessarily a natural born writer i i did i wasn't the kid who wrote stories and just enjoyed that like i was out playing 
basketball in my driveway. I wasn't, you know, in my room writing stories. Um, but, you know, I kind of became interested in, in movies and to be like, oh, maybe I could do this. Um, and, you know, and it is, some days I am a natural born writer where I can like, it's just, this is great and easy and like, I get it and this is great. And then the next day I'm stuck and I don't know what to do and I hate it and I'm questioning everything. And, um, uh, which I think is, is, is most writers, but, um, I do enjoy the writing, um, process. It just, it, it's not super easy for me. The other thing, and I think this is where, um, I'm very grateful, uh, and I, I feel like, you know, God was kind of um, uh, kind to me in this, is I, if I weren't, if I didn't get promoted on The Big Bang Theory, and it wasn't my job to go, when you're in a writer's room with writers who are very good and have been doing this for a long time, um, it is, you're in class every single day. You are learning, um, even when you're a writer's assistant, you are, like, if it's a hard job to get. If you can find yourself um, a writer's assistant job in a room with other TV writers or uh, whatever, you know, I guess TV writers, um, you can't help but learn uh, how to do it and um, how it works, how TV shows are made. Um, so I have been fortunate. I'm not necessarily a self-starter <laughs> where if I were unemployed, I don't know that I would be doing the homework of like how a TV show is and like trying to do this, but I was just fortunate enough to be in a place where I was being forced to learn how to do um, this job. Um, and even after I got promoted, it was like, I was still, I'm still learning, like still to this day, I'm, I'm learning every day that I go in. Um, and I don't know, you know, I think we know people who work really, really hard and are hustling, 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 um, and are doing a good job of it. And I, that's not, that's not how I am. I'm not, I enjoy writing and uh, write a script, you know, if it feels right, but like, I, I'm not the guy who's like, I need to hustle and I'm not good at it. I'm not good at networking. I'm not good at, I, like, I just don't know how to do it. So I've been very fortunate to kind of be forced into that, um, growth, um, uh, which I probably wouldn't have gotten on my own. No. If that makes sense. No, no, it does. Do you feel like you have changed at, at all as a writer? Do you feel like you have, I mean, I mean, I'm sure you've become a better writer, but, um, is the process, has the process of writing changed for you in any way? Um, you know, it's so interesting because we write every, the job of it is writing with other people. Um, but so I think, I, I think the writing with other people has made me a better writer on my own. And I honestly think when I write, when I am writing on my own, it actually makes me better at the job. So they kind of feed off of each other a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, it, I, I will say for working on Young Sheldon and having it be a little more of a little movie set every week, um, I'm finding that I enjoy the production and I enjoy the editing um, a lot. Uh, you, uh, I, I'm finding I'm, I'm enjoying different aspects of the, the, the process and writing is still in there, but it is now, um, I'm enjoying the other things just as much. Um, 
which is which is great because it, 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 it's kind of fun to grow in these other areas that that weren't necessarily um, at the forefront of my mind. So no. So uh, tell us a little bit about kind of um, your journey before you got here. You know, I'm curious about what made you into the guy now. Like, when did you first realize you wanted to be a uh, you know wanted to be a writer and 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 when did that become like a real thing to you instead of just this kind of like pie in the sky kind of thought or dream? When was that an actual thing? Like, I'm going to pursue that. Like, where, where did that come from? Well, I, I think it was a pie in the sky dream up until I got promoted on the Big Bang Theory, like honestly. Um, but I, I mean, I, I did not grow up writing stories. Um, I did not, I was way into sports. Like I was outside playing basketball in my driveway. I wasn't writing like I didn't it didn't occur to me and it didn't even occur to me that that was a job that the, the the you know in the credits of the tv shows I watched as a kid that these were people who worked on it like you know I just I, I know a lot of people who are writers are like when I was seven I was like that's what I wanted to do and like that's not at all I didn't have that uh, that reaction back then um but I did uh I so I all I watched as a kid was sitcoms. So, um, and I liked movies, like I, but my, what I could do in my spare time, I, I could just turn on the TV and, you know. Which watch. were the ones, which were the ones you would watch that you loved the most? Oh man, uh, 227. Yes, 227, uh, yes. And so when I, Regina King was on The Big Bang Theory, so that was a, that was actually a big deal for me to meet her. Uh, I, I will, I will spare you, I could sing the theme song to you right now, but I will spare you and everyone okay. else listening. So. <laughs> um, no, 227, and then I think it was like 227 and Amen were back to back on Saturday nights. Yep, NBC, uh, Saturday night, yep. Yeah, but Growing Pains, Alf, uh, Hogan's family, uh, the Hogan family, um, you know, golden kind of, Girls? Did you have? Were you a oh, Golden yeah, Girl? Yeah, Golden Girls. That it was. It was a little racy for me. Yes, it was a little racy. Yes. And then you know, like Night Court was like the racy show. Yes, yes. Um, but no, and then and then um, and then it was like Drew Carey show and Friends and Seinfeld and Cheers when you know I was, it was to catch the the later seasons when I was old enough to kind of watch those, um, and then and it's. Interesting, this is a little tangent. So uh, The Simpsons, uh, what I'm realizing is like, that is the show. That Without that show, I don't think I'd be doing what I'm doing right now. Um, and I'm watching it now with my kids. We're watching it as a family. Um, and they're about the age I was when I started watching it. Um, and it's, uh, it, I'm realizing, it's, I'm realizing, I don't know if I know the joke is coming, because I remember it, or if I've been trained now as a comedy writer that that should be the joke that's coming, but I don't, I, I kind of, some I know for sure I remember, and other ones I'm like, oh, I was right. Uh, so I don't know, but I know like that sense of humor of The Simpsons is, uh, that is why I, uh, I think I'm doing what I'm doing. And is, uh, that and is that because you think you just watched it so much that it informed so I think much of, yeah? Yeah, I watched it a lot, and I think I just responded to it. Like, the, that humor, I was like, oh, this is my sense of humor. Um, and it's really fun because now my, my son, especially, he's 12, um, we laugh really hard at the exact same things, and it's really fun. <laughs> That's great. I love that. That's great. Um, but uh, 
but again, growing up, it's not like I watched The Simpsons and was like, that's what I want to do. Um, I just watched it. Uh, and then, and then when I was 15, I saw Pulp Fiction. And that kind of changed everything for me, um, where I was, uh, that was hugely influential. I didn't know you could structure a movie like that or write a movie like that or make a movie like that. Um, and that opened the door to Scorsese and The Godfather and gangster movies and then dramas and Taxi Driver, like it, the whole thing. I love the story that you tell about how you got the job on the show. I think it was before Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I can back up a little bit. So I was uh, a PA on a couple shows, production assistant, um, got promoted to writer's assistant, got on a show on the CW, a comedy called The Game, uh, was the writer's assistant there, actually got a, a freelance episode um, in the season, the third season of it. So I got to, that was my first actual, you know, Hollywood writing credit, um, was writing an episode for them. Um, and then that show got canceled. Uh, so I jumped over to um, another, a friend of mine who the very first show I was on, he was a writer on it. And then he had made a couple pilots. And then this one actually went to series. Um, it was called Hank, which was with uh, Kelsey Grammer. Um, and the the hours were, they weren't, like you can work on a show that goes to two or three in the morning or worse even. Um, and it wasn't that bad, but when we had a one-year-old and my wife was pregnant, um, so even if it's till nine or 10, it might as well be till three in the morning because I'm just, I wasn't home and they were on their own. Um, and it was, uh, you know, it was, it was tough. It was tough on all of us. So we, um, that show actually got uh, canceled about, I think we shot 10 episodes. They, they aired five and then, and then it was canceled. Um, so we were unemployed with a one-year-old and a baby. Um, You can edit this out too, Jimmy. But it's good though. Th thanks for being vulnerable. I think people need to hear the story. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, on paper, that seems uh, terrible. Uh, but for us, it, it was amazing. Um, you know, because we, uh, it, it was, we were a family again, essentially. Um, and it was great. So um, we, it was it was very clear in, in that moment uh, uh, that um, I should quit TV. Um, and uh, like I, as I had said earlier, I moved out to write movies. Um, so I was like, okay, I tried TV. It didn't work. Um, it was too hard on the family. It was too hard on all of us. Um, so... I'll stay home after our daughter is born. Like I'll, you know, ride it out till the, till our daughter's born. And then, um, you know, after she's a couple months old, my wife can go back to work cause she was the stay at home mom. Um, and I'll write movies again. So that was, that was our plan. And we, um, uh, because we had money from the freelance script I wrote and I could collect unemployment. Um, so we, uh, that was what we, that was our choice. Um, and I, we all felt great about it. Uh, and I did, I, you know, I wrote things on my own. Um, but, you know, a year later, 
we, my wife uh, didn't get a job because uh, she, the place she used to work at, she was, we thought there was a job waiting for her there and they ended up not being there. Um, and then she interviewed for two or three other jobs that she was overqualified for and they wouldn't um, hire her. And so we were quickly, quickly, quickly running out of money as the, the kind of the year was approaching. Um, and then I had gotten a, uh, a friend knew someone at the Big Bang Theory and they needed a writer's assistant to fill in for two weeks. Um, and so that's when, um, uh, that's how I got at, at the Big Bang Theory is just as literally as money was running out, um, I got a call and then, you know, if I had started even a week later, like we would have been a little bit in trouble and, you know, and I need to clarify, like we, we have family who could have supported us, like we wouldn't have been homeless, you know, but this is just sure. where, where we were and, you know, and we didn't necessarily want to lean on them but we weren't going to be in you know dire straits um but but it was a stressful time because it is you know we had to think like what 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 are we doing with our lives we have two kids and live in LA and it's expensive here and we're not working like how are we going to do this um and you know I don't think we ever thought like because I'm from Michigan I don't think we ever thought we'd to move back like we it was we still felt like we needed to be out here but um, we just didn't know how it was going to be um and so yeah so that was season four of the big bang theory and then the um that gave us insurance that gave us all that stuff um and then um yeah so it was it was kind of weird to quit tv um but then kind of get pulled back and then and i will say even all up until that point, it really felt like God was keeping me in multicam because I, I was trying to leave. It wasn't necessarily what I moved out here for. Like I moved out to do dramatic movies and I found myself in TV comedy um, as an assistant. And I, you know, we have a mutual friend who worked at Dexter and I tried to go there two or three times and it never worked out. Um, I actually interviewed to be Paul Thomas Anderson's assistant on, oh, wow. yeah, for There Will Be Blood. Uh, I didn't interview with him as one of the producers, but um, I didn't, uh, didn't get that, which was, which is good. That would have been, you know, months and months in Texas uh, with my wife, but we didn't have kids then, but, um, you know, so, but, but I kept trying to leave, but it, it became clear that, to me at least, that God was saying, nope, stay in multicam. And I had to just trust it to be like, okay, I don't get it, but I will, I will, I will, I will stay. And then even after I quit for a year, it was like, nope, you're back, back in multicam. And so, yeah. um, again, just had to, had to trust that. So. Not to, not to get all Barbara Walters on you, but, but why, why does that story make you emotional? What, what is it? Was it the whole idea of, could you talk a little bit about this? The whole idea of success versus in the business versus family. Yeah, and I mean, well, then just to clarify, I get emotional at everything. So it <laughs> uh, doesn't take much for me. Uh, you know, I mean, honestly, the I'm probably going to get emotional again. But um, the, the thing, the, the moment that I didn't specify in that story is the day the show got canceled. Uh, <clears throat> I came home at like five and I had dinner 
with my wife and son. And my wife just started crying. And, and ba basically she was like, this is what it could be like. Um, and so, <clears throat> excuse me, that is the moment that I uh, knew I needed to quit. Yeah. Is it the, and your wife, by the way, you know, people don't know her on this podcast, but I had the pleasure of knowing her. She's an amazing human being. And I, yes. but by the way, she's way funnier than you. Oh, I, am, I am the least funny person in my house. There's no question about it. But I think this is good, man. And I, and I thank you for being vulnerable because a lot of people, that want to get into this business, they don't understand what it means to count the cost when it comes to family. Like they don't yeah. like th this, this town, if you're not careful, this industry can it destroy, it can destroy families. It can destroy marriages. It can destroy relationships. And it, it's a real thing that, that all of us out here, we have to go through. And, and so I think, Thank you for being wrong because I think people need to hear that. Like it, it the, 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 the sometimes silent and not so silent victims of, of, um, of the business out here are oftentimes the spouses and the kids. Yeah. And I, you know, and, and not to like get on any kind of high horse, but like, I know for, for my wife and I, we just, it's like how many movies and stories and things in real life that you need to see of people who work so hard. And then at the end, they're like, oh no, the thing that mattered was my family, but now it's too late. Like, I feel like that's such a recurring theme in, in many, yep. many things. Um, yep. And so it's like, well, why would we do that? Like, we know, we know the ending of that movie. Like, yep. so let's just avoid that. Um, so, yep. you know, and it's great, like, to be, my wife and I have always just been on the same page um, with all of that, and um, which has been great. So um, very, uh, it helps when, when yep. you have someone who kind of has your back like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What do you like to watch? What's some, what's some of the, where do you get inspiration? I know you're a big Criterion guy. Where do yeah. you, um, what are some of your favorite films? What are, what are, how do you, where do you find inspiration? What, what, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think, you know, because people ask, oh, what's your favorite movie? And it was always kind of like, ah, there's so many. But I, for me, I, I think I can safely say The Tree of Life is, uh, Oh, I can put that at the top. Uh, love it, that film. Love it. It just de deals. And I understand that it's not for everyone. And some people hate it. And some people are like, what are the dinosaurs? Why are the dinosaurs? And you know, whatever. But for me, it was, it felt like it was made specifically for me. Cause it, it came out at a time when I was, I, I don't know the spiritual doubt or crisis, what I would actually call it, but just specifically the size of the universe kind of freaked me out. <laughs> I'm like, why is this universe so big? And like, you know, what is, why are we so small? And, you know, I, I think that movie actually just really spoke to me. And it's like, I have two brothers and it's about, you know, three boys growing up and the, the, the mom and dad dynamic is very similar. Like it just, it was like, if it was made for one person, it's definitely me. Um, and so I think even like Leonard Moulton in his review, and I don't think he loved it, but he was kind of like, what does the beginning of the universe have to do with a family in Texas? 
And I was like, no, that's the whole point. It all has to, like, that's, that's what it is. Like, it just dealt with existence and faith and I, I don't know. So that, that movie for me is, um, I, I put that at the top of my, my list. I think, I think I could make the argument that he's, the, he's our greatest Christian filmmaker. Sure. And, and that film is one of the reasons. Uh, you, know, I, you know, I'm not the generation that he's portraying, the Brad Pitt character, right? But, that, but, I'm, but my dad kind of was, or kind of in between, actually, maybe a little bit. But some of, the, some of the images in that film are so deeply spiritual to me. It was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it's one of the, it's one of the more haunting uh, films I've ever seen. I love yeah. that. I've actually not seen a Terrence Malick movie um, that he's made after it. Cause I, I, I like, it's not fair, but like, I'm kind of like, I don't know. He just, he did it. He, he did it with Tree of Life. I think I'm good, but um, I need to give the other I, ones. A uh, this most recent one, uh, uh, Hidden Life, I, I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard really, really good stuff about it. Yeah, same, same. You're from Michigan, and you're a Michigander. Is that what they call you, Michigander? Michigander, yeah. And uh, so you're a big fan of Bob Seger. Yes. And I remember one of the first scripts of yours I ever read was um, a script about Bob Seger, wasn't it? Y yes. Not, not about the person, but uh, it was a um, heavily – themed a bob seger themed script yes uh, and your your dream would be for jeff daniels to play to yeah. make that film so you could do something with jeff daniels and bob seger that would be your yeah. ultimate dream that, that was yes the two big michigan entertainment guys um <laughs> that was no that was the goal i mean i i was 25 when i wrote it um that was 15 years ago but i you know it's funny i actually every couple of years i I'll go back and I'll read it. And I was like, I don't know, there's something to this thing, but- um, I thought it was, I remember, I remember liking it. You, I think, uh, if, if so, if you made a film with Jeff Daniels, Bob Seger's music and Chris Webber, would you retire? <laughs> would you just retire after that? Yeah, that's it. That, all <laughs> the Michigan dreams come true there, yeah. Um, no, yeah, it was, you know, it, we'll, we'll, we'll see if I dust that off at any point, but it is, um, it is one that I, I'm proud of. How would you explain to people who they're Christians and they're interested in, you know, writing for television or just coming out here and joining the business? And how would you describe what it's like to be a person of faith uh, in the industry? Have you had, um, has it been um, mostly positive experience for you when you've been, or you've been able to build relationships with people? And or has it been have you had negative experiences? Uh, what, what are, how would you, how would you describe that to someone? Um, I mean, I wouldn't, I, I think it's not much different than if you went to a, like I went to Grand Valley State University in Michigan, just a state school. And it's not much different than that. Like, and it's in kind of the Bible Belt of Michigan. So you could find more Christians maybe at that school, but I feel like it, you're just, it's kind of any any secular job anywhere in the world like you're either like it's not much different to that in my experience at least like i i haven't had you know it's it's been fairly easy for me to be outed as a christian because it's like oh where did you meet your wife oh i met at church or like what did you do this weekend i went to church like it just kind of comes up and people i've had no one i, I haven't had many 
really any negative experiences of like people treating me differently because of my faith. Um, so I, you know, I, can't, I, that's been my experience. So I can't, I can't speak for everyone because I'm sure other people have had that, but um, you know, and you work with people who completely disagree and have a completely different either faiths or no faith at all. And it's, um, uh, but it, it's not, like this unholy town, that right. we're living in. you know, it's kind of like, it's, it's just, you know, it's just a business just like any, anywhere else. And you're going to find other Christians there and you're going to not find Christians. So it's, it's, um, I don't know. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be scared of it if people are hesitant to come out. Like, I think, um, you know, we've, I've been going to church out here ever since I moved. Um, and you know, my wife and my kids, we, we still go to church and, you know, you can find, there's lots of churches to choose from. You can, you know, raise a family, um, kind of just how you would back in Michigan. How would you, how would you say that your faith helps you in what you do? I think it gives me a lot of peace, uh, to know that like this job is great but it's not everything. It's just a job. Um, and I've been very fortunate and I'm very glad to have it and I hope I can continue to do it. Um, but you know, if, if, uh, for me who believes in a God that is, um, you know, looking out for me and is protecting me and knows what's best for me, that, that gives me an incredible amount of peace. Um, in a town that is not necessarily filled with peace where projects can fall apart and people can, um, you know, maybe take advantage of you or, you know, you can kind of get screwed over, um, uh, which does happen. So, but, uh, you know, in, there's been a lot of instances where it's kind of like, oh, I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know. And then just to be like, ah, you know what? It's okay. If it doesn't happen, um, then that is probably for the best. And, you know, and I, to, to back up, so I started in the mailroom out here um, at CBS. Um, I, I actually started with an internship at the Young and the Restless and then got into the mailroom in the same building at CBS. Um, and I was in the mailroom for three years and uh, which is, which is pretty long. You typically people were there for a couple months and then they got a job somewhere in the building and then kind of, you know, uh, well, well you were, you were very good. You were very good. At I'm very good at delivering that mail. Um, <laughs> but I applied for many, many jobs within the building. Um, and I was super, super depressed, uh, that I didn't get any of them. And I was like one job I kept going for, um, it was actually in the contestant awards department for the price is right. Um, and I kept trying to get this job and I kept the guy actually who was hiring, he kept calling me to be like, you're my second choice, but there's someone who's just a better fit. I'm so sorry. You're great, but it's not going to work out. Um, and that happened, I think three times with that job. Um, and I was super depressed and actually that, that depression led into the Bob Seger script because it's about a midlife crisis of an auto, uh, factory worker. Um, so I was able to kind of take that frustration and depression and, and turn it into a script. Um, but however, looking back, um, if I'd gotten even one of those jobs, uh, my whole life would have been very different. And it, those jobs would have led to non-creative jobs um, and that, that are fine, but like I could have just been stuck behind, you know, 
Like I applied to be the assistant to an account, an, an accountant at CBS. Um, and like, that's not uh, what I moved out to do, but I was like, oh, it's more money than the mailroom. That'll be great. Um, but looking back, it's like, I'm so glad that I didn't get any of those. Um, and, you know, I just had to kind of trust that God um, knew what he was doing and not, you know, that those jobs didn't work out. And I, you know, continue to, to see that um, up until now. That's awesome. Well, Jeremy Howell, I want to tell you, man, uh, you're an amazing human being. Thank you for being a good friend uh, to me for so many years. And thank you for, yeah, gosh, we've known each other for, has it, it's been almost 20 years, hasn't it? Yeah, I've been out here 18 now. So, and yeah. we met very, very early on. So, yeah. 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 Well, it, um, thank you for being a good friend and thank you for being a good friend to Act One and. Um, I just want to tell you, you're an amazing human being. You're, I love your heart. I love uh, just who you are as a man. I love the way you, I love the way you love your wife and your kids. And um, I'm just uh, grateful for you. So thank you so much. Thank you. That's very kind of you. I, I, I want to uh, make a, a tradition in the Act One podcast that we pray for um, our guests. Would it be okay if I pray for you? Yes, absolutely. Heavenly Father, just thank you so much uh, for this time today. Thank you so much for the chance to be able to um, uh, just uh, talk to Jeremy and uh, learn more about him and his journey. And uh, thank you for his wisdom and his insight and uh, his humility. Uh, and God, thank you for his faith and his passion for you. And God, I just pray a blessing upon his life. I, I pray uh, that uh, you would bless his, his marriage. Um, his relationship with his children. Uh, I pray that you would uh, bless his relationship with his coworkers. And God, I just pray that um, you would uh, use uh, Jeremy as an instrument of your grace and your love and your truth uh, in this business. And thank you for uh, using him um, up to now. Uh, God, we continue to pray for those who are going through uh, difficult times. We pray for our country, we pray for our world. And uh, we trust all of this to you. We pray this in Jesus' name and your promises we extend. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Act One Podcast. To learn more about our programs, visit us online at actoneprogram.com.